and welcome to the Divine Renovation Podcast. My name is Dan O'Rourke, and along with me today is Ron Huntley. Hey. How you doing, Ron? Hey. And across from me is Father James Mallon. Hey, everyone. And we have, uh, for the second time in the history of the Divine Renovation Podcast, <laughs> drumroll, Father Simon Lobo. How are you, Father? Hey, oh, good to, good to be with you guys today. Excellent. So, double the clergy at the table today, which means double the fun. Uh, <laughs> the reality is, this is a great time to have uh, two priests with us, because we're talking about something really, really focused in on the priesthood. Now, I want to be right up front. I want us to be be fair. This is intended not just for, for the priests who are listening. I know we have a large audience of, of, of pastors and priests around the world. But I have a feeling that if you're on a leadership team, work at a parish, or you know you happen to sit in a pews, that some of what you hear today might really help you understand the role of a priest uh, better. Yes. And so what we're talking about today is the model of priesthood. Yes. So why don't we uh, define a little bit what we mean when we say, what is, the, what, what is this topic and how do we hope to explore it? Well, uh, the model of priesthood is, for some people, those terms might be a bit odd, might strange. You might say, well, what do you, what do you mean by that? But effectively, we mean what, what are the, the pres- presumptions that are made in your parish by your priest around what he should be doing, uh, what it means to be a good priest, what it means to be a faithful priest, uh, how he, the kind of ministry he should, the kind of he, he should be doing, how he how he does it, uh, how he responds to people's expectations, how he spends his time, etc., uh, etc. Et what what tasks are more important than others, and such? And because if we're really talking about you know leading change, then I really believe that um, the current model that most priests minister out of really prevents them from leading any change. So, would it be fair then to say that some of the way that the priests at this parish, and that would be you too at the moment, I mean, we've got two priests currently at this parish, internship opportunities still available for those who want to check out divinerenovation.net, short plug. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, the, the, would you say that, in that the, pre, the model of priesthood here is probably a little different than as it's expressed in many places around uh, the world? Absolutely. I, maybe just to, to give a concrete example, in my, in my own life when I was, even before thinking about seminary, I think similar to you, we've talked, to, we've exchanged testimonies and, and uh, Father James, you also were thinking about medicine at one point years ago, right? So I had that in the back of my mind as a, as a young man, thinking, oh, I'll become a doctor, you know? And, and, uh, and with that, when I felt the call to become a priest, it was like, okay, great, tra- transfer. So now I'm going to be a doctor of souls. You know, I'm going to I'm going to care for all these souls, and I'm going to help them get to heaven. And, and great, right? So that so you you have that transfer of okay, my model of priesthood going in is I'm going to care one on one individually for all these people, just as a doctor would going into a a patient's room and care for them, minister. Uh, to their particular needs. And so that was really the paradigm with which I had entering into the priesthood. And and I suspect a lot of guys might have something similar, whether mm-hmm. counselor or whatever, but that sense of a one-on-one model. And what we're talking about here is something a little bit different. It's different because the one-on-one model is something that you know, with the priest is, is hitting all the areas of, of ministry that, that need to be done within a church. But the, but the point is that we've come out of, a, of, a, of a, a church culture that says the only really uh, ministry that has any kind of me- meaning to it or validity is that directly done by the priest himself. And so the priest himself must become everyone's personal chaplain, which would be f- absolutely fine if you were in a church, a parish with only 40 people. That would actually be, in fact, the the, uh, the the proper 
model of priestly ministry in that context. But I suspect that most it, most of the priests listening are not in parishes of 40 or 50 people. Uh, and so that m- model is going to be stretched. How is this experience? Well, the point is that the bigger uh, parish you're in, that the, de- the demands of individuals mm. just gets multiplied. Uh, and besides, again, for, the, for in past decades, churches were in maintenance mode because the culture was Christian and you didn't really have to, you just, the, the model of ministry, it was like tr- tracks in the snow. You know, when the, the when you come into a new parish, the tracks were there, you just had to step into the previous guy's footsteps. And uh, when you left, the next guy would come in and step into your footsteps. It was, it was basically the same. Everything has changed though. Everything has changed. So, Father James, just because I just want to know if I'm hearing you properly. So, what you're saying is, if the if the church is small enough, it's it would be proper for the priest to actually do all the ministry. So, the baptized actually are only needed if there's a shortage of priests. Uh, that's kind of what I'm hearing, and I, I don't know if that's what you're saying. And if it is, that's no. If you've got a church of thirty people, you're not going to say. Uh, uh, don't don't call me with your problems. I can't respond to you individually. It's a you're going to work very 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 closely with people until your church begins to grow. But what about the lay people like myself who have all kinds of giftedness and and the Spirit has given them gifts? You only get to use them if the pri- if the priest is tapped out. Like I'm just wondering, is there a dance that happens? Of course, in terms it of, is. of course, it's because the goal of any church, no matter what size, is to become healthy and grow. But when you're starting out, you're going to have the, the interpersonal dynamics are going to be much more direct until you begin to expand things. And especially once you become outward focused, then the world's your oyster, really. I, and I think it's a great point, Ron. Like any size of church uh, needs to become missional. And but, but at the same time, I was just thinking of that, that article that, that you made reference to uh, by Timothy Keller at the, end of, at the end of Divine Renovation, at the end of your book, that he talks about the church size dynamics and mm. how leadership is di- going to be different in different sizes and and uh, contrasting that as well with something that Sherry Waddell uh, who wrote Forming Intentional Disciples how she said hey like a normal person could have uh, some level of relationship with about 200 people so when your church gets and not to say a church smaller than that that you know the priest should be doing everything no that's not what we're saying at all but Certainly, if your church is bigger than 200 people, and I think in a lot of cases it would be, uh, we need to really start thinking about what model of priesthood we're going to use in order to lead in that different situation. So then, Father James, if the role of a priest isn't to be the best friend of everybody sitting in the pews, all 200 plus of them, what what is the role of the priest? Well, I think we have to go back to, you know, the documents of the Second Vatican Council and and, uh, and Presbyterium Ordinus, the document on, on, on priestly ministry, and also uh, in, in the... Do- Wait, was do- that Latin? That, that was, oh, that okay. was Latin. Great, that was- great, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the, doc- the, the, the dogmatic constitution on the church uh, is mentioned in many places. The, the threefold ministry of Christ. So the, the, the uh, prophetic ministry, the priestly ministry, and the kingly ministry. Christ is, is priest, prophet, and king. And it, taking our lead from there, we see in many places that the, the, the Council Father said that the f- primary role of the, of the priest is to proclaim the Word of God, to proclaim the Word of God. Secondly, is to celebrate the sacraments. And they said the high point of the sacraments is the Eucharist, which in and of itself also has at the very center the proclamation of the Word of God. And, and thirdly, is the, is the leadership is the, is, the, is the kingly role le- le- leading. So if you think about it in that terms, what are the three essential tasks of the priesthood? It's 
preaching the Word of God, primarily in the liturgy, so focusing on, on time spent preparing uh, homilies and giving them, uh, celebrating the sacraments, especially the Eucharist, and thirdly, leading. But I would suspect that if you sat down with most priests and said, you know, look at your schedule, what percentage, if you were to take all your hours in your week that you put into preaching, into celebrating sacraments and actually leading, uh, and that actually is like time out for ministry, actually beginning to think and strategize and, and, and plan, and not just managing, what percentage of your time is that? And I would suspect for most priests it would be very low. So let's let's begin to understand the problem then. If, if priests aren't doing that, why are they not doing it? Why is their schedule not breaking down that way? Because the urgent will always uh, get in the way of the most important things. And there's a lot of urgent need in ministry. When people have crises, it's usually pretty urgent. There are many times we can, you know, we've got a packed week. There's a lot of stuff going on. You give a few funerals and we have to respond to these things. They, they, it's, it's like a bomb going off in the middle of your week. I, I think, too, as a priest, like, um, what, there's just a black hole of ministry, right? doesn't matter where you are. I've been in, I've ministered in different provinces, even in the U.S. for a time, uh, in different parishes. And it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter how big, how small, even if it's a church of 30 people, I guarantee you there is a black hole of, of needs and urgencies, as you say. Um, and so... It's like once once you get on that treadmill, it is nonstop. It's go go go, and and so to to kind of uh, innovate in the midst of that craziness is so hard. And I think most priests just kind of what they do is they say, "Well, I'm gonna do my best and care care for the souls that have been entrusted to me." Um, and uh, an extra, it's like, "Okay, I'm gonna try and do all those things that I did last year, and maybe do one or two extra things, and then the year after that." Uh, I'm going to do all of those things and maybe a couple of others and, and then eventually hope that the bishop transfers me so I can start over again. That's right. That's right. It's kind of consistent with your doctor analogy. I used to say to physicians, if you were good at your job, you'd work yourself out of a job because you'd be healing people. But it's, it never ends, right? You open your practice and it just grows and grows and grows. Yeah. Uh, Andy Stanley, uh, who has a great leadership podcast, he in their church they have this mantra that, that they say, you know, you can't just for everyone who works in a ministry or in a church or in an organization, you've always got to take time to work on it. Because if all you do is work in it and never work on it, you're, you're just, you're getting lost in doing things. You're never raising up your head to say, where are we actually going? And when we talk about divine renovation, we're talking about leading the church somewhere. We're actually leading it. I mean, leadership is one of the essential tasks of the priest. And the problem is that when a priest gets lost in non-essential ministry, and please hear me, when I say non-essential ministry, that doesn't mean not non-important ministry. See, people often hear a designation of non-essential is somehow saying it's not important. Of course it's important. The church must do these things. Uh, but doesn't necessarily mean the priest has to do it. Amen. So it's non-essential ministry, but we come out of a culture that says the only ministry that really is, is valid is the ministry done by the priest because we had a very clerical culture and parishioners even put those kind of values that I don't want a lay person visiting me. I want a priest to visit me, even if it doesn't involve sacraments. And so uh, we work in and we work in and work in, and we, at the end of the day, have no energy left to work on it. Mm. You know, priests doing 10, 12, 14-hour days. And at the end of the day, I'm, I'm supposed to somehow think about things? 
Think about why I'm doing it. Uh, think about new ideas. I mean, e- even thinking takes time. Like like leading takes a substantial amount of time and energy. Where are you going to get it from? Mm-hmm. You know, it, I, I'll use this one analogy, and then, then I'll be quiet. Uh, if the, the church is is a missional, by by nature, the church is built for mission. It's made for mission. Uh, and yet, so often, it's not going anywhere. So it, it's like a it's like a Boeing seven four seven sitting on the tarmac. Uh, it's made to fly. It's made to go, but when it's not going anywhere. Guess what? The pilot, he can serve the coffee. He can serve the meals. No big deal. Check the bags. <laughs> now, if the plane is actually going somewhere. What would you rather have the pilot be doing? <laughs> Serving the coffee or flying the plane? That's easy. That's you know, but we've, I like we've, coffee a lot. So I don't know. But we've had Airplane a church coffee. model where the, the so priest good. is doing all the ministry himself. It, what is essential to the role of the priest? And let's help the priest to move into a place where he can really do that. So, Ron, can you and I have a sidebar for a second? Let's yeah, just pretend you and I are the only ones in the room. Okay. okay yeah. So, you and I both have known Father James for a while. I think there was actually a time where he wanted to pilot the plane and serve the coffee, mm. and he wanted to talk to every passenger on the plane as he was walking down the aisle. In fact, I know this was this was the case. How how do you can you reflect on some of his ministry back then? What it looked like and how how he was. I like how you talk about that in the past tense because it's still something we wrestle with as our as our church continues to evolve and grow. He has to evolve and grow. At, at least the pace of the church. And so he I still see him evolving as a, as a pastor. And, and so, you know, this is still in real time. We're still growing mm. and learning. But absolutely, I've seen us have to change our structure, which has not always been easy for Father James because he loves people. He loves what he sees as his priestly ministry. And an interesting question would be, Father James, what are some of the things that you originally saw as really important to being a good priest in the eyes of yourself and others? And how has that changed? And what did that feel like having to let go of some of the things? Yeah, I, I had a, a, a real conviction that I should say yes to everyone who wanted to see me. If someone wants to, when someone wants to see me, I will see you. I will make time for you. That was that was a that was a very important value for me. Uh, again, in a smaller parish, I, I could manage it to some degree, uh, but as you move to a greater, an even bigger parish, you realize this this is simply impossible. And I realized that my days were being filled up with people who wanted something from me, someone who who wanted to see me, and I had no time to see the people that I wanted to see. Uh, meetings and encounters with people that could actually drive change and move the church forward. And I realized I've got to set limits on this because I could have the life sucked out of me and we just sp- we're just going to be spinning our wheels and we're not going to go anywhere. But that was very difficult, a very difficult thing to give up. And I've struggled with it in different ways. I mean, I'd said, well, okay, a number of years back, I said, okay, this is a principle I can't say yes or I'm going to build into my schedule times uh, were, were for people that I want to see. I've got to build in times in my schedule for emails. I've got to build in times in my schedule for preparing. You know, preaching is important. Where do we even have time to prepare a homeless <laughs> if it's that important? Actually, um, we have a pretty long aisle here at St. Benedict. So, you know, generally, the homily is as good as the length of the aisle. Right? So, you have more time to... so, if you begin with a conviction, you build it in your schedule. But then what was I doing when people would come say, Father, could I see you? And I'd look and I'd skip by all the times that I had booked off for these things. And I realized 
I have nothing for five weeks. I can't say to this person, I'll see you in five weeks. I can't. So I'd say, how about tomorrow? Mm-hmm. And I'd, 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 before no time, I, I was doing 10 hour days. Just I remember one point, back to back, half hour appointments, just one, one, two, three, four, five, like, like just nonstop seeing people for, for 10, 12 hours. And at the end of it, I've, I've, I've done nothing. I'm exhausted. I've, and, and, and I realized I need help with this. I can't do this myself. And it's hard. And it, it was interesting to watch that and be a part and be here for some of that transition because one of the things that I'd say, Father James, you had to get convicted on it, and, and it was through dialogue and, and, and everything else, but it was the whole idea is that your biggest responsibility is to build a church that could minister to every person. And in order to do that, you needed to decide who are the most the people that you needed to invest in that could have the biggest difference to mobilize the most people to care for others, to evangelize, to disciple, and to minister to. Yeah. That is what it means to lead. And that's very different than just responding to every request that yeah. comes your way. Of course, just, just to be careful here as well that we're obviously we're not we're not including here sacraments i mean obviously i mean there's no, no you come course. to saint benedict is you know it's it's the priest that celebrates sacraments we're, <laughs> we 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 do that we'll if if we have a, a sacrament of anointing the sick once a month where we have many many people will come but when people request who are unable to come we will we will go this isn't yes and when people say oh we know you're so busy and i say no no this is this is this is part of what we do Only i'm a priest do. i'm yes. a priest this is there's, uh, there's you don't have to you know, we're going to be there for that. Mm-hmm. But other things, I found that you've got, you've got to just be very, very strict, and, and it has been difficult because at times I, I I've got a pretty big guilt button, and I feel sometimes like a bad priest. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not fulfilling these expectations of being everyone's friend and being able to hang out with everyone and 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 help people have a meaningful connection with the church through a personal relationship with the priest. So Father Simon, I mean you've gone through I guess some of the same sort of experiences as Father James. For you it would actually be a little more fresh in the sense that you haven't been at St. Benedict quite as long. Mm-hmm. And so I think your 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 understanding of the way that Father James and and Divine Renovation sees the priesthood would be a little newer and and more recent. How has the experience been for you? Like it's obviously been a shift from when you wanted to go to med school. Mhm. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, well, the pay is a lot less, I think. <laughs> uh, I don't really know for sure because I never got that far. But, um, no, it's it's uh, it's been interesting, and I, and I I admire it's a it's a real balance that you try to walk, Father James, and I really do admire you in that because um, it's not like you've totally blocked yourself off from people, like you're operating out of some ivory tower. Um, you know, I, I just I. I think of the example of Pope Francis as well, where he's he's authentic. He's he's a priest. He's a you know he's a bishop who's who's still with people. He still ministers to real people, but he's also he in order to lead a church of over a billion people, like he's got to have time to to pray, and he's has got a very rigorous prayer life. He he's got to have time to to prepare the messages and, and all that kind of stuff. So, so I, you know, I see that, I see that modeled here as well in that there, there, there's a balance there. There's certainly time for people. And you, when you do have those pockets of time, you go, go out of your way to meet people, um, before mass and, and, and uh, and you do have a, a few slots in your week to, to meet, to meet with, with certain people. But, but also there's, there's a great emphasis that is placed on dedicated time where father James will meet with, his senior leadership team 
of which there's there's five of us, so myself included, fa- uh, Father Ron. Father Ron, <laughs> are you Father? I just made you <laughs> just for this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ron, uh, Rob, and Kate. So 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 we meet for several hours each week, uh, just kind of lock in lockdown mode, working through the the key tactical decisions that need to happen every week. Uh, he meets one on one with each of us as well. Um, and and Father James, you know, his time is is really about uh, empowering the other leaders who will then meet with their teams and and empower others. So so that's that's what I'm seeing really in a in a concrete way here at Saint Benedict. There, there, there is a, a sacrifice. Um, you know, there's there's times when I say. You know, it's four o'clock in the after four thirty, and and you've been going all day, and there's like a calling. You know that someone, a prisoner, is 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 close to death, and the family's asking for a priest. And at first, it's like, oh my goodness, oh, you know, and it's a sacrament of the sick. It's not last, you know, it, but but it is, and it and and then you go, and it's like this most amazing, grace-filled, mm. humbling, beautiful experience. And as a part of me, is like, it's like, thank you, Lord. Thank you for reminding me of this aspect of priesthood. No, it, it yeah. is sacramental. You need those touch points. Sacramental. You need, those, you need yeah. those touch points. And I'm, yeah. Yeah. I'm so grateful for them. Um, but there is a sacrifice because I enjoy one-on-one ministry. I enjoy sitting down and speaking to people one-on-one. I mean, I would love nothing better mm. than to 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 sit down once a month for an hour with every single prisoner. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's it's. I if I to do if I did that, it would take about ten years for the next time I'd see someone. Now, some people might be quite happy with that, but um, <laughs> yeah, I would love nothing more than than, than that. I, I I do really really enjoy that, and I've had to give that up. I, I'd love to drop it in every connect group. Yeah. I mean, we've had hundreds of connect group meetings, and I think I've went to four. Like I would love to, but I can't. I got to give that up. So there's there's that's another piece of this. Sometimes there's ministry that the priest loves to do and his model of the priesthood will be very much impacted by what he personally loves doing. And that is a good thing and it's something to watch out for because um, I think there in every ministry, no matter what your role is, there there should be a little bit of room for the the, the ministry that you love to do, even if it's not essential ministry because it's life-giving yeah. you got to give people breathing space and, and that speaks a bit to charisms as well yes, right we, we're all built a little, little bit differently we have different charisms and gifts and talents and, and so there's things that are going to satisfy us right mm. so, so you're not saying like cut all of that out of your no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right that's ab- ab- absolutely yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I think that, that that's good and proper but at the same time, the priest needs to check himself and say, for for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of my ministry, yes. what do I need to let go of? And so there's that important thing of self knowledge. The other thing, though, is 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 neediness. I know when I think back to my early years as a priest, I, I, I think a lot of the ways I did things that were non-essential ministry was derived from my need to be needed. And we all have that to some degree or other. But sometimes in our parishes, there can be this kind of codependency. Uh, you know, the parishioners have, uh, because they, they haven't perhaps grown to a proper stage to, of, of maturing and taking ownership of their own ministries and everything else. They, they need the priest. They need, they need daddy to be, to be there. And daddy is quite, quite happy to be needed. Right, because what, what ultimately if, he needs to be needed too, and so we need to look at that dynamic as well. What if we looked at funeral ministry as an example? Uh, what if you speak into that? Well, I was just thinking, yeah, just a concrete example of how um, 
how I experienced this very recently, mm. how, how do we lead differently in St. Benedict, right? And, and um, so we have, and this actually preceded you, the previous mm. pastor, uh, set up this team of, of wonderful lay people who, who uh, serve on this ministry. They sort of begin with triage, right? Anytime there's a funeral. And, and I think Father Michael White from, from Nativity in, in Baltimore, he says a funeral is like a Scud missile, right? You, mm. you just, it just, in the middle of an already busy week, Come, come out of nowhere. You, you just <laughs> yeah. can't plan for them. So, so a funeral comes in, and there's this team that will meet with the family, walk with them, and there's always questions around, you know, what readings do we pick? What's the music? Can we have bagpipes? You know, not that there's anything wrong with bagpipes. Stuart <coughs> uh, at the table. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, all the all those kind of nitty gritty details, and um, and so the team handles that, and and I know. That uh, uh, there's a, a lot of priests out there who do this themselves personally, mm-hmm. and yep. I did earlier I in my priesthood, wow. and and it's it's beautiful. I mean, I mean, again, uh, listen, as a priest speaking to other priests and those who support their priests, like like uh, we're built to care for people. I mean, that's that's why we do it. We don't do it for the money, as I said. We, uh, we we love people, and we're trying to serve people to the best of our ability. And so to to walk with those who are grieving, like that's an important, uh, it, it's a it's a corporal work of mercy to bury the dead, right? It's an important, it's one of these, it's one of these things that is so important, but it's not essential to those threefold ministries that's of right. the priest. And and so um, in, in you know, f- for the priest to then delegate some of that, some of those important roles to to gifted lay people who can walk with those people, uh, that's that's uh, I think such a beautiful ministry that that shows that it can be done, and it and it frees up the pastor to then you know focus on preaching the word of God at the funeral, and uh, and celebrating the sacraments, celebrating the mass, and. And uh, and really leading this team of that. Well, that I, I just to think back to t- twelve years ago when I first had a, a big parish and between you know meeting with the family ahead of time, the prayers the night before, all the funeral planning, mm. preparing the homily, giving the homily, being in the reception, going out to the cemetery, coming back. Literally, a funeral would be about twelve to fourteen hours of work. Mm. Wow. You ha- you have three of those dropped on you unexpectedly yeah. in a week. Add it up. That's a full time job. And, and I don't know if Nova Scotia is unique, but listen, we're <laughs> I, I, I know of situations where guys are doing three and four and five funerals every huh? single week. Yeah. You know? And so and you're gonna be evangelizing. Someone said to me just a couple of weeks ago, how come you were preparing your funeral homily at the last minute? You you know, you had a couple of days. You know, it's like <laughs> uh, the other things don't, don't do go. Anything. The other responsibilities don't don't go away. But here's the beauty of of what we're currently experiencing. Here is right now, uh, I can invest in a funeral. It's usually about two and a half hours mm-hmm. from homily prep to actually doing the funeral. And I think the level of care being given people is is quite profound. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so so there's the changing a model that in a way that allows uh, the the priest to 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 you know to maximize his impact and his leadership. But there's also the other principle. We don't want to get into it too much today, but that the role of the pastor uh, the, is is, give, is is to equip the saints for the work of ministries. It says in Ephesians yes. 4 that mm. they, we're, we're the coaches. We're, we're, we're 
that non-essential ministry, we, we've got to equip, we've got to raise up our faithful people and equip them uh, to do this ministry, and not just give them the responsibility to do it, but also give them authority as well. Well, and as a layperson, there's nothing I want to do more than to serve out of the gifts that God's given me and make a difference in people's lives. And so we got to engage our lay people. You know, I came on board as the director of evangelization, and running Alpha was something I did. I emceed, I hosted tables, loved every minute of it, and now I have other people doing those things. I still actually want to do it. I prefer to do well, it. I remember the first season you were here. I always led Alpha at yeah. my parishes, and it killed me. I absolutely, <laughs> it killed me because I wasn't doing it, and it killed me because he wasn't doing it exactly the way I would do it. <laughs> <laughs> I had to bite my wow. tongue so many times. It was, and the it was reason, so hard. The reason I want to give it away isn't because I need somebody else to do it or I don't want to do it. I love doing it, but I know if somebody else does it, they're going to grow so much. They're going to develop as a leader so much. They're going to be able to speak about their faith to others so much. And it's my responsibility to give away the very things that I know are going to lead people. And so with, with what we're talking about with this model, we need to build structures that priests can breathe into that will support the ministry that they want to see everyone in their parish, and I mean geographical parish, not just their church, receive. And that takes intentionality, courage, and leadership. And I just say that, you know, this is why one of the key things of a priest is listening and saying, "Wow, you know, it sounds like a dream come true to be." Because at the end of the day, I, here, here's 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 the catch twenty two, uh, and this is really what my chapter in the book called the "House of Pain" was about: is that the priests who still have passion and care, they know there's a problem, and yet they feel crushed by the weight of expectations of parishioners and former models of ministry that are, that are layered upon them. Uh, so and and the end of the day, there's this sense of deep exhaustion because. I mean, I've got no energy left, and even though I know I have to change, but I've get, I'm gasping for air. I've got no room. First thing is, you can't. I've learned I can't do it by myself. Number and a few things that can be can be put in place. Get help right away. It it may be paid help. It might be a staff member. It might be a volunteer. I'll tell you, there's all kinds of high capacity people in our parishes who would love to give five, ten hours a week to the to the priest to help him create margin in his schedule. Now, what do you mean by help? You mean like a personal assistant? Personal kind of, assistant, yeah. Because yeah. here's what I experienced is I realized I need to be protected from myself hmm. because I would fill up my schedule. I, I wasn't capable of saying no uh, to, to people who came to me. And I really believe a, a pastor especially, but a priest should never say no. I think the priest can always be, show us be, I'd love to meet with you. Uh, I'm going to give you the, the person who organized, she's much more organized or he is much more organized than, than I am. And, and it's up to that person to try to navigate that. Uh, so being protected from yourself where someone can manage your schedule, that way it, it's not the priest that's saying no, because that, that can be a, a real blow to people who might not understand. They, they might come from a smaller church model or from another parish with a different set of expectations. Uh, we got to, in the end, be very respectful of people. But I need someone who can actually manage my schedule and leave, uh, create margin in, in my schedule. The other area of need of help is that I need people around me to remind me of why we're doing it like this. Yes. Uh, and and this is one of the reasons why when we speak to priests, we prefer to speak with priests and lay teams because the priest will go back and be just inundated again with these expectations and demands. And he needs to be reminded, uh, he needs to, in a sense, be given permission. 
again and again. Because remember, your, your priest, if he's going to do this, is feeling guilty. He's feeling like, oh, I'm a bad priest. Mm. And there might be other priests who might be telling him, what, you're not doing that? You don't, you don't do that? You don't visit every single parishioner? And the implication is you're, you're, you're not being faithful to the priesthood. And so you need people around you to give you permission and to even hold you accountable to the kind of change of model that you've said that you will embark upon. There's another element, I think, that we often take for granted here at St. Benedict and Divine Renovation. It's that you, you Father James, and, and you, Father Simon, you have a real good understanding of what your strengths and weaknesses are. I mean, you've used tools to help you understand those, and that helps guide your ministry and the way you behave. Would you say that's part of the reason you're able to respond to the challenges? I have a good understanding of Father James's weaknesses, <laughs> and so that much is true. I have that self knowledge, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I would say for sure. And, and again, we always—I think what you're alluding to earlier as well is that sense of a senior leadership team, yes. and we've spoken about that in different places. But this team of four or five people that comes around the the lead pastor to support him, and really that team needs to be built around his strengths and to some degree his weaknesses so that so that he can be complemented to the best of his abilities because uh yeah no one person and if i'm just quoting you father james no one person has all the gifts right yep. no one person is a complete leader they need to have people around them and so so wherever they're deficient they have they have others and and they can be lay people absolutely who are gifted i, I, I think that the self-knowledge thing in this issue really has to do about what makes you tick and and what what more what what's the reason why you you have built this model of priesthood i mean no one exercise of priesthood is identical to another uh but again there's that mixture of the priest's own own, own sense of what he ought to do his own neediness his own favorite ministries his own charisms his own personality uh and so uh, you've got to know like what's what's driving this what's driving this intentionality only happens when you're intentional mm -hmm. uh, your model is not going to change unless you're intentional and that means it has to start with self-awareness one of the things that I've really enjoyed is being a part of the amazing parish and watching uh, you and father Michael white and Tom on the stage together and I love how Patrick Lancioni and that organization puts you guys up there and talks about what you do and how you do it because they're very different but what's so cool is they're also very effective but they look very different and that's the point it can look different but we're driving to be effective to build up the kingdom to build up the church and to make a difference in people's lives but but I will say this in yeah. both models both priests are raising up lay leaders around them all over the place mm -hmm. in the parish so that different people are being called into leadership, right? That's a good point. So so my math tells me there's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's 168 hours. I think you guys need, what, six hours of sleep a night. Uh, that leaves you a fair bit of time to do your priesting. Uh, so, Well, so, beauty sleep, right? <laughs> well, I'll say one of you is getting beauty sleep. I won't let you only point over which one's the one who's getting it. <laughs> that leaves you plenty of time, though, to do lots of priesting, right? And sacramental stuff. But it's not just time, it's energy. You know, it, there's 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 activities and functions that that don't take a lot of energy. That it can take a lot of time. That you can plug away at it for for ten hours, and, and you know it's it's ten hours. But there's there are things that take Im immense amounts of energy. And uh, I've you know when we first moved to one person preaching mm. for the whole weekend a number of years back, and w when I would do masses and actually not preach, uh, it was like wow. Uh, 
this feels like 60% lighter. Oh, yeah. I, I don't realize like yeah. the energy. I mean, there's the whole work of preparing homily, but just giving the homily is tremendous energy. So in the end, it's about energy management. We we tend to say it's all about time management, but, but for the pastors, energy management, because when it comes to the leadership piece, and this is what this this is why we're having this conversation. We're talking about creating a model of 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 ministry for the priest so that he can exercise that role which is essential to his role as a priest, that he is a leader. And and we are by definition, by dogmatic definition, the Catholic Church, Catholic Church is a hierarchical organization. That doesn't mean structured. That means led by priests. And the reason we're talking about changing your model is so the priest can have the energy needed to actually begin to exercise leadership. I was just going to say to that energy point that with preaching, uh, again, I need it. I need us to carve out space, like like mm. hours of just creative energy time. Mm. And so so I totally agree with with your point. It's not just a question of okay, task bang bang bang, but but to have that space to and and that's speaking to right uh, priest prophet, that's the prophetic mm. element of yep. one of our key responsibilities as priests to preach the word of God. Right on. And one of the things that I've noticed too Father James, and I know you can testify to this is you were always getting a lot done but you weren't always doing it in a way that was sustainable. And as you continue to create, as growing in self-awareness, and as we continue to bring systems of around you that would support who you are and your strengths and your giftedness, it started to create that margin in your life that brought you to a healthier place physically, emotionally, mentally. And if we're in an exciting place right now, yeah. and you've never been healthier. And uh, and also, you know, th- for the most part, what what I'm investing in and doing is is are really things that are that are making the greatest difference. And not only that, but I got to be honest that I I feel fully a priest of Jesus Christ. I feel that I'm being faithful to my priesthood. I, I've I've never loved more uh, the experience of preaching the Word of God. I've never loved more the celebration of the sacraments, celebrating the Eucharist. It, it's it's amazing and i've i've never had so much fun leading so it's it's i to all my brother priests out there um take a look at this uh and there is hope it it can be different uh it requires some courage don't do it by yourself uh it's not about being a bad priest it's about being the best priest you can be look guys it has been such a pleasure to have this conversation with you uh ron huntley if people want to find more of you where out they look you up they can find me at on twitter uh, Ron underscore Huntley. And I'd really encourage you to uh, tweet me any questions you might have that might drive the content of our podcast. Because we really do want to create resources like this that will speak into you in specific ways. And Father Simon, if they want to find more of you, where should they look for you on the My internet? Twitter handle is at FRSimonCC. The CC is for Companions of the Cross. And so that's probably the easiest. And Father James Mellon, author of Divine Renovation, author of Divine Renovation Workbook, television host of several television series, and pastor here at St. Benedict Parish. Where should they find you? Um, DivineRenovation.net. And by the way, a lot of what we did talk about today, there's sections in the guidebook, the Divine Renovation Guidebook on this very topic. And with regard to the Divine Renovation Guidebook, uh, Father Simon is also uh, in those pages. And he's he's, a picture of him, too, isn't he? He's a picture of him, yeah. You can see what he looks like. Yeah, you can even see see what he looks like. I didn't get much beauty sleep that 
that day. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, there's some good stuff there. I hope it's of help. Excellent. So for all information around Divine Renovation, you can go to the DivineRenovation.net website. Uh, the Divine Renovation Network, at least at the moment of this recording, still has some spots left for parishes to uh, join us in that network if they want to work closely with our team as we coach them through their own Divine Renovation. Uh, we also have other resources like the, Divine, the other Divine Renovation podcast, uh, a number of different, um, there's some video content that's going to be going live soon. Anyways, check out the website. It's awesome and hopefully it'll have some stuff for you. And we'd ask a, a quick favor uh, for, for listeners. If you if you could just take the time to go to iTunes and uh, give us a review. Th- those reviews factor into some crazy mathematical algorithm that'll help other people find this podcast and we would love for this message to reach as many uh, people, as many people as it possibly can to make the impact that I'm hoping it's having. So please join us again next time and thank you and uh, we look forward to the next conversation. 